Welcome to SNC's podcast series, SNC Critical Insights. I'm John Sarletto, an associate in SNC's litigation group. With me today is Nikki Friedlander, co-head of SNC's cybersecurity practice and a partner in the criminal defense and investigations group in the New York office. Thanks for joining, Nikki. Happy to be here. Thanks, John. So we're here to talk about the recent ransomware attack on the Colonial Pipeline Company, which operates 5,500 miles of jet fuel and gasoline pipeline on the U.S. East Coast. As background, earlier this month, Colonial Pipeline was the victim of a ransomware attack attributed to the ransomware gang DarkSide, which is believed to operate from Russia. Ransomware, as most of our listeners are aware, is a form of malware used to encrypt computer systems, rendering them useless. The perpetrator then demands a ransom in exchange for a decryption key to restore access to the system. To contain the attack and mitigate the damage after it was hit, Colonial Pipeline shut down both its corporate networks and its fuel supply lines on May 7th. This led to widely reported gasoline shortages, price spikes, and panic buying before the company was able to begin restoring the pipeline to normal operations five days later. So, Nikki, why was this attack significant? Well, this may sound strange, but in many ways, what Colonial Pipeline experienced was a run-of-the-mill ransomware attack, at least as it's been described. These attacks are happening to companies every day, and they've been happening for some time. The fact that it took days to get the company back up and running, even after it paid the ransom, is also not unusual. And in fact, it can take quite a bit longer to get back online, whether or not the company pays the ransom. The goal of the perpetrators here, as reported, is also a common one, which is to make money. The perpetrators, which, as you said, John, is a group known as DarkSide, is well known in the ransomware space. And it appears so far that the attack was launched with really the single goal of making money. So what is unusual about this incident? I think the scope of its impact, which was very significant, as you said, it disrupted the fuel supplies across the East Coast. As a consequence of that impact, what is also unusual about this event is the degree to which the company's response to the attack has been detailed in the press. From the outset, the company made clear that it was the victim of a ransomware attack, And the company's CEO told the Wall Street Journal that he authorized the payment of a $4.4 million ransom on May 7th, which is the day the attack was detected. It's quite rare for these decisions and details to be discussed publicly in this way. These decisions, whether to pay and how to respond, are highly fraught, they're very difficult, they're very sensitive for corporate leadership. The public disclosure of these decisions and details can impact insurance coverage and other company relationships. And companies often fear that if it becomes public that they paid a ransom, they will be targeted again in the future because perpetrators know that they will pay. So this incident has given the public an inside look at what is a very widespread problem. In that sense, while it's a very unfortunate event, some good may come out of it if it causes a more vigorous collective response to the problem. Let me highlight something you just mentioned about Colonial Pipeline's response time. The company paid the ransom on May 7th, but only began bringing its operations back online on May 12th. And they only confirmed they were fully restored on May 15th. You said a delay like this isn't unusual. Why is that? It typically takes time to get the company's network back up and running, even when the company pays the ransom. That happens for many reasons. First, decryption keys are not turnkey solutions. They take time to get working. And even when they work reasonably well, some work much better than others. 
The company also needs to do significant forensic work to make sure that any system or server that it's bringing back online is clean and safe to bring back online. Of course, it doesn't want a reinfection from a compromised server that gets reconnected back to the network. So the technical experts will be reviewing every server, they'll be cleaning, reassessing, et cetera, before these devices are brought back online. And that just takes some time. This is a factor that every company hit with ransomware needs to factor into its analysis when deciding whether to pay. Uh, no matter what they do, there is a road ahead before the networks are secure and hardened enough to restore safely. What can be done to reduce the frequency of these attacks or deter these perpetrators? The federal government was already very concerned about the ransomware problem before Colonial Pipeline, but the harm that this attack has caused has really heightened the pressure on the government to act, and the challenge is how to do it. The U.S. government has to find tools and pressure points to cause Russia and other countries, but primarily Russia, to crack down on this problem. To be clear, there's really nothing that the U.S. private sector can do to meaningfully prevent these attacks from happening. The attacks come from overseas. They come primarily from countries like Russia that do not cooperate with U.S. law enforcement and that tacitly encourage this kind of behavior. So the bad guys here are making a lot of money. The barriers to entry are quite low and there's really no effective deterrence. And as a result, the problem has grown. And I think at this point, to describe it as having spiraled out of control. It's a problem that only the federal government can even potentially address. And even for them, it won't be easy. I think the administration can take steps in public ways through sanctions and other steps that make clear to the public that things are happening. And they can act in private ways through discussions with other countries and by taking offensive cyber measures overseas that we may not hear publicly about. The silver lining of this incident is that it does appear that the Biden administration is very focused as a result of it on addressing this issue, which I think rightly recognizes that this is or, or can be a matter of U.S. national security. We'll see in the coming weeks and months what they can do, what really can be done at the nation state level to address the problem. Okay. So in the meantime, while the government works to address the cause of these attacks, what advice can you share for companies to put themselves in the best position to avoid a ransomware attack? or mitigate the harm from an incident like this if it occurs? Yeah, so that's a good question. And companies can take a number of steps. There are technical measures like investing in endpoint detection and response, often called EDR, which are tools to detect a problem quickly and that can even help shut the problem down and prevent it from spreading. Companies should also consider investing in effective backups, at least for their most critical data and investing in secure cloud-based solutions that can reduce the likelihood of a successful attack. Employing multi-factor authentication and patching vulnerabilities timely are other steps that come quickly to mind. But companies should speak with cybersecurity technical experts to understand the risks they face because every company will face unique risks, to understand how well prepared they are to meet those risks and what enhancements, if any, they think are appropriate to make. President Biden issued an executive order a couple of weeks ago on improving the nation's cybersecurity that requires the federal government and its contractors to implement many of these technical measures. And it was recently reported that the Department of Homeland Security will be issuing mandatory regulations to strengthen the pipeline industry's cybersecurity posture. 
in addition to many of these measures being important to protect any company, the fact that they will be required within the federal government and in sensitive industrial sectors makes it likely that some or all of them will come to be seen as baseline security measures in the months and years to come. And so companies should consider those as well. I think particularly the Biden executive order, which by its terms is going to apply across the federal government and to the government's contractors. Now, outside of a technical area, companies should invest in cybersecurity personnel and training because the technical tools are just not enough, not for any company. It's like having a great car. If you don't know how to drive it, you you won't get very far. So personnel and training are key. Companies can never entirely eliminate the risk of a ransomware incident occurring or, for that matter, any other sort of data breach. But the more they can do to prepare ahead of time, the smoother the experience typically is in practice. Part of the commitment to training is, I think, to help people who will be involved in responding to the breach from the IT team or security team to the company's leadership to legal, potentially even the board. It's helpful for all of these stakeholders to understand what roles they will be expected to play or not play in a cyber crisis and how they will all work together. Our clients have found that tabletop exercises, mock crisis response exercises, can be a very effective means of developing muscle memory in this area. Another part of preparation is ensuring that you have the right relationships in place with relevant third parties if you have to respond in a crisis. So, you know, breach response, of course, is a collective effort. Having outside counsel, having a forensic vendor, a technical expert that your team can count on, as well as appropriate insurance arrangements all lined up in advance will pay dividends if the company has to respond in a crisis. So we recommend that as well. Thanks very much for that insight, Nikki. And thanks very much to all of you for listening to this episode of SNC Critical Insights. For more information about our practice, please visit us on the web at www.solcrom.com. 